Hello, it's me, Lily, a frog who lives in a pond and loves to tell stories. It's September, back to school time for kids who go to school. And wherever you are learning and growing and playing, I wish you a year full of curiosity, friendship, and of course, great stories. This episode of Tales from the Lily Pad is a bit different because instead of going to Storyland, we have a friend here to tell us a true story, her going to school story in her own words. Phyllis Webstad is here to share the Orange Shirt story with us. You might have heard of Orange Shirt Day. It's a day to remember and honor the true history of the First Peoples of Canada. And Phyllis has been sharing her story for years now. And it's because of Phyllis's orange shirt in the Orange Shirt story that we wear orange shirts on September 30th. It's a way to say... We want schools to be free of racism and bullying, and we want to make new stories where schools are a place for learning and connection and community for every child, because every child matters. Here's Phyllis. When I was a little girl, I lived with Granny on the Dog Creek Reserve part of the Strachem Chatlam First Nation. We had no electricity and no indoor toilet. In the summer when the sun was hot, I would cool myself off in the bathtub full of water that Granny kept in her garden. Granny and I lived off the food we grew in Granny's garden and berries from the land. Granny and I would go to the Fraser River and catch fish. We would eat some for dinner and dry the rest on the drying rack to save for winter. We didn't have much, but we got by with what we had. Growing up, I felt lonely. There weren't many children on the reserve to play with. Each September, all the other children, like my cousin, would leave the reserve to go to school. I looked forward to the day that I could go too. I didn't get many hugs when I was little, but I did have Granny and Granny's house was a safe place for everyone on the reserve. There were lots of people who came to Granny for help and advice. My favorite place to be was Granny's kitchen. When I turned six in July, Granny made me a cake to celebrate my birthday. Granny told me now that I was six, I was old enough to go to school. When September came, I would go to the residential school St. Joseph Mission for the first time. I was excited about going to school so I could play with my cousin and the other children. I wanted to find out what happened there and hoped I would make some friends. Before my first day at school, Granny took me into town to buy me a new shirt. We didn't have a car or a truck, so when we went into town, we had to take a blue bus that we called the stage. Going to town was exciting. We took the stage down a noisy and bumpy dirt road. Soon the bump stopped and the noise hushed. I looked out the window and saw a paved road whizzing by underneath us. 
The town was so loud and busy, with people and vehicles everywhere. There were shops to visit and restaurants to eat in. One shop had a red and white pole outside of it. I watched it twirl around and around, and I wondered where the stripes were going to. Granny took me to a restaurant, and we both sat at a booth with a mini jukebox. When I dropped a coin into the slot, the box would play a song for me. I ordered breakfast with two eggs. When they came, they were sunny side up. It was like they were looking up at me from the plate. I didn't know how to eat them. Granny's eggs were always scrambled. After breakfast, Granny took me to a shop that was filled with clothes and toys. I picked out a shiny orange shirt that laced down the front. It was bright and exciting. I felt as excited about the shirt as I did to go to school. Granny bought the shirt and we got back on the stage and went home. I held the bag with my orange shirt in it all the way. I promised myself that I wouldn't wear it until the big day when I went to school. I waited and waited and finally the day arrived. Wearing my shiny orange shirt for the first time, I said goodbye to Granny. Granny patted me on the head and said, what loves it? I got on the stage with all the other children and waved at Granny from the window. It was a two-hour journey to get to the residential school, much further than I had ever traveled before. I stared out the window, waiting to see the place where we were going. When we arrived, I started to feel very scared. The residential school was so much taller than anything I had seen before. The building seemed cold and unfriendly, as unfriendly as the nuns who came out to meet us. I asked my cousin how long we had to stay there. She said it would be 300 sleeps before we could go home. 300 sleeps? That sounded like forever. The nuns took all the children inside and walked us down a long hallway in single file. In a room, we were undressed and made to take a shower. I had never seen water coming out of the walls before. I didn't want to take off my shiny orange shirt, but the nuns made me. After I had showered, they gave me different clothes to wear. I didn't like them. The nuns put me in a chair and cut my hair short. I asked for my orange shirt back, but they told me I wouldn't be allowed to wear it anymore. I cried, give it back, it's not yours, it's mine. My granny bought it for me, but no one would listen. The residential school wasn't where I learned. It was the place where we slept and ate. I soon realized that the nuns didn't care if I was tired, sick, hungry, or sad. I had to rely on myself. It felt as though I didn't matter. At dinner time, I and the other children would eat tasteless and almost colorless food. There were pale green moon-shaped beans that tasted awful, and there was smelly fish that definitely wasn't like the salmon that I and Granny used to eat together. At night I wondered why Granny was not coming to get me. I would cry myself to sleep. In my dreams, I would play in Granny's garden and go salmon fishing in the river. 
Each day we went into town to attend public school. Before boarding the bus, we picked up a small carton of orange juice and a brown paper bag with our lunches inside. Some days, one or two of us got a chocolate bar in our lunch. Everyone would look to see if they had one too, but their lunch bags would just have sandwiches in them. It felt like the grown-ups were playing a cruel joke on us. I took the bus to public school with my cousin. Every day, the bus driver dropped off my cousin at a different school. I wished I could go with her. I didn't understand why we couldn't be together. At school, I learned to read and write with all the other boys and girls, but I was still lonely. All of us children from the residential school were lonely because we had been taken away from our homes and our families. My teacher was a curly-haired redhead. She was as nice as she smelled. She would smile at me and help me with my lessons. I wished I could go home with her at the end of the day. She made being at school bearable. I liked my teacher, but she was no substitute for Granny. I wondered what Granny was doing while I went to school every day. I missed my home and the garden. I started counting the days until I could go back again. Each day the number got smaller and smaller. I waited and I waited. The other children at school could order books from a book club, but none of the residential school children were allowed to get any. I didn't understand why we were treated differently. I wanted a book too. Why wasn't I allowed one? In the playground, I was just like all the other boys and girls. At lunchtime, everyone played together. I learned to swing on the swings and would wrap my swing around the pole and watch it unwind. The best time of day was when the bus came to pick us up after school. I always saved a seat for my cousin. When it came to her stop, my cousin would run on the bus and plop down next to me. Sometimes she would bring onions that she picked on the school grounds. My cousin would say, What's up? And I would laugh at her onion breath. But I was always so hungry, I would grab an onion and eat it like an apple. My breath smelled just as bad as my cousin's did. On the bus, we learned to sing songs together. We sang, we are the missions, mighty, mighty missions. Everywhere we go, oh, people want to know who we are. So we tell them, we are the missions. The seasons changed from fall to winter, then to spring, and finally it was summer again. I was excited about going home. I never wanted to go back to the residential school or see the cold-hearted nuns ever again. After 300 sleeps, the stage came and took me back home to the reserve. I was so happy to be back to a place where I mattered, a place where people cared about me. That summer I stayed at home with my granny. I stayed in my familiar house and worked with granny in the garden. I went fishing for salmon in the Fraser River and ate them for dinner. I had everything I needed and I never went back to the residential school again. Not every child was as lucky as me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my story. 
The reason I share my story about my experience in residential school is to make our community, country, and world a better place. A long time ago, it was decided by the government that my family, because we are First Nations, were not allowed to speak our language, share our culture, and celebrate who we are. We have come a long way from this time, and we still have work to be done. Today we are free to celebrate our First Nations culture with pride. I hope you, whatever culture you come from, celebrate yours too, and I appreciate you learning about mine. My story is not just about what happened to me, but it's also about hope. By reading this story, it is important to understand that every child matters. Every child is important, including you and the person beside you. We are all connected and we all belong. Thank you, Cooks Jam. <laughs>